Hello, Sky friends, and welcome to Seasons of Skyrend, Book 4. We're a custom 5e D&D adventure that focuses on the stories of our characters as they seek to change the world, and how the world responds in turn. I am your host and DM, Scott, and you can find me on Twitter at TheScottBlake. Hi, I'm Chris, and you can find me at EwokKiller on Twitter. I play Finnegan Finn Tempest, a tiefling trainer, which is a Skyrend original class supported by the Metalweave Games supplement Baby Beastry. Finn is the trainer of Cerulius, a blue guard drake. Hi, my name is Nate. You can find me on Twitter at Skyrend underscore Nate. I play Darvin Grimm, the human monk, and I am currently hosting Cade, the demigod of the land in my brain. Hi, I'm Shannon. You can find me on Twitter at Skyrend underscore Shannon. I play Aranus Gray, the god of rebellion, and I am a half-elf bard. You can also find the show on Twitter at Skyren Podcast, and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Head on over to find out about bonus chapters, early access, NPC creation, and more. Now then, thank you for joining us, and please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. And then as far as other stuff goes, on Pusilla, you find some notes. These seem to be very shorthand notes. Not in the sense that like she's writing in shorthand, but, you know, a couple words here, a couple words there. No complete sentences. But looking through them, you get things like trial partially successful. Unable to connect with target. Able to connect with others. Strange body, but useful. On Septina, though, you get a little bit more detail. I don't know if these are her own personal notes, but she does have more of a, a notebook rather than loose leaves. And these notes, I think, shed a little bit more light on the notes from Pusilla, and perhaps the drawing from Cabot. And they say, Attempts to summon with pendants alone have not yielded expected results. The magic is working, but the ingredients aren't enough. We managed to pull an unknown creature from an unknown place. It put up a fight but was easily killed. Chance of success better with more materials, more pendants, more flesh. One final note that you do find in here of interest is definitely less of a scientific note and more of a personal or hopeful note. Matt says, once Nils is successful, the way can spread throughout the world. I'm guessing the way is capitalized. Yeah. The way of obligate mortality. They definitely capitalized T the W way. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to get more information from dead bodies. Mm. Oh, I think I've got a pretty clear picture. Okay. Or at least clear enough. Outside of that, they don't really have anything else on them. You know, they're in their home, so they don't need to carry a bunch. But there's also a bunch of things in here that could be used as melee weapons in case anybody wants one. That's up to you. I'm good. Darwin want a bone saw? I mean, kind of. blade? Kind of, but probably good. Okay. Would you like a jar with an eyeball in it? Actually, yes. <laughs> you can have one. There's, there are several. Uh, yeah. What type of eyeball is in that jar? Do you know what creature it's from? Uh, nope. Okay. Like a 
the equivalent of like a wildebeest or a bison or something, Ooh. you know, some big Ooh. herd animal. I'm curious. Wildebeest eye. Ooh, they've got that goat eye thing going on, where it's a little oblong. That sounds cool, That maybe we should go with that. Yeah. Bison's eyes are more just dark. I see what you mean. Wildebeest have cool eyes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you find this jar, fits in your hand pretty easily, and it's got a pretty big eye on there, bigger than a human's eye. Like, bigger than your eye. A nice oblong iris. Uh, what color is the eye? Well, the ones on Google are all black. I know, but you want to be fancy. Yeah, so like, gonna be like purple. Yeah, purple wildebeest eye. That's pretty cool. Probably worth something to somebody. You could sell that as a magical component. You could try to use it as your own. Um, who knows? Maybe you could even try to put it in your own skull. Right? Who knows what wildebeest see? Okay. What's next, folks? Continuing on. More desecration of bodies. Mm. Leaving. We keep going. We press on. Okay, okay. You press on. As you move through the monastery, it's getting quieter and colder. You eventually come to a small set of stairs. These lead up and to the roof. Darvin, have you spent any time on the roof of your monastery back in Karami? That's a good question. I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to say it's a good chill hang sometimes. Good place to go smoke or just be away from everything. But okay. So you get to the roof. The roof is not entirely open air. Only part of it has been excavated from the ice and the snow above. Looking across the roof, there are definitely, there's definitely a doorway in the ice that leads to other alcoves, rooms. Could go up, could go down. Who knows? From here, you can't tell. But this is definitely the roof of the building. If you turn the other way, you can kind of see the front, uh, like, peaked facade of the monastery. You can hear a little bit of wind. But looking out across the roof, there are definitely a few things to notice here. We'll start with the architecture. First, on the roof of this monastery is a giant carving of that overlapping diamond symbol. It's good 15 feet across, carved right into the stone. At each corner, same spots that had been circled on Cabot's little note, there's a column shaped like a bony finger. It has more joints than a typical hand does. Probably four joints in this finger, in each of these six fingers reaching up from the corners of this symbol. And they curl inwards across this symbol. They don't quite touch at the peak. There's enough room to walk in between them and go through or go into this symbol. In each of these fingers, embedded into each of them, you can see a glint from something embedded into each section of the finger. There are some extra runes carved around the outside of this, and a giant symbol in the center. Darvin, having not been up on your own roof, you don't know how much of this is typical, and how much of it is not. But, awaiting your arrival, here, on the roof, three figures. First up, there is Curio. They are a shape-changer. They have tendril-like arms, which probably are not their own. There's Marston. He's a human. His legs have been replaced as well with giant grasshopper legs. 
And finally, Finnegan, the one you recognize, General Dills Farages, the half-celestial who does not have his wings. He is dressed in a rather large poncho-type outfit. Difficult to tell what he has weapon-wise, appendage-wise, if his uh, crew is any indication. But none of them look upset at your arrival up here. In fact, General Nils seems pleased. There are a number of torches lit around the roof, and a nice flickering orange light to the space. Nils steps forward a bit, a smile. Finnegan, so glad you made it this far. It would be a shame if one of the others were to have dealt the killing blow. Why, well, it's uh, interesting that you mentioned killing blows, because uh, last time I saw you, you were crawling away barely alive to come back here and tell your master that we were not going to bend to his will. You are alive, but for the grace of my mercy. Mm. I believe, based on radicalized bastardization of your religion, shouldn't you just off yourself now? I mean, way of obligate mortality and all. You're on borrowed time, boyo. Oh, but then of course your own rules don't apply to you, do they? Our rules definitely apply to us. Then why are you still alive? Because someone has to spread the way. Oh, and you're so important and so special, you must do it yourself. So again, you bend the rules for yourself. You're a hypocrite. I guess I should not expect you to understand then, Finnegan. Oh, I understand clearly. See, what happens in this world is there are good men who abide by the rules and do what's right. And there are men like you who do what they can so that they can amass as much power and prestige and blah, 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 bend the rules, hurt others, and eventually must be put down like a rabid animal. Because that's what you are, boyo. You prance around and you gain your power and you think you're special, but you are nothing more than an animal who has grown larger than he should, a predator who can feed on more than he must. And so those who disagree with you and know that you are wrong must band together and put you down. Are you quite done, Finnegan? I have no other words for scum like you. What you say about me was true once. Initially, the conscription was an excellent path to power. And taking my forces across Sarkar, delivering Corm's grace to all those people, felt good. But somewhere along the way, I found humility. Thanks to you and your crew. That defeat hurt, not just physically. It hurt emotionally and spiritually. And so I came back here. Did not know what to do. Malcius. Malcius. Wouldn't take the next step. Because Corum never gave it to him. Malcius for being in charge was nothing more than just good at taking orders. The conscription was an inspiration. But as soon as he met resistance with that, he faltered. I do not intend to falter Finnegan. No. I intend to do what Malcius and Corum could not, or would not. Hasn't been as easy as I expected. But with Darwin here now, with Darwin here now, and he turns Darwin and he looks at you and 
He smiles. Our goal is finally within our grasp. Oh, you mean giving over, like, the entire planet to an entity that is far more powerful than you could ever imagine and will, like, consume you the second it gets here with no regard to the thought that you brought it here? That goal? Are you talking about those vestiges? Them and their kind? No, 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 no. It was unexpected. That was not the goal. Oh, but that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to get, is that. And those are... Those are nothing. Those aren't even an appetizer to what you're actually going to get. No. They are a useful tool, but we do not need them. My God. You're such an idiot. (laughs) No, we only summoned them because we didn't have enough. Can we clarify? Can I ask a clarifying question really quickly? Mm -hmm. Do we have proof that he's connected to the looming tomb i feel like i want to clarify if we're making this jump or is this jump has logically been reached at this point dead vestige in a casket notes about summoning unexpected creatures okay from his inner circle it's a reasonable jump there's no like and today nils summoned a vestige and talked to lt right i don't i don't know exactly what they're trying to do right but i know what they're doing then yeah let, but let's let's let him finish before so we know exactly what he's doing right because mm-hmm. he might have just accidentally summoned it he might actually not actually be working with the tomb mm-hmm. oh i didn't assume that he was working with the tomb okay i just or assumed for. that he was the, or for it i just assumed that he was deeper into a pool than he knew mm-hmm but yeah, go. I'll, I'll, I will let him finish explaining his plan. Mm-hmm. Um, now with Darwin here, well, uh, um, I may end up backtracking a little bit, but my apologies. Right. I just want to make sure I don't miss some things or that the flow is too broken. It's all good. No. Summoning those vestiges was never the intent. It was only a partial success. This magic is new, certainly. We just didn't have enough of Darwin, of his flesh, of the pendants, to reach our true goal. But now that he's here, now that most of him is here, we can fully succeed. We reached out. We just didn't reach far enough. Or we reached too far. It's hard to say. Magic is not an exact science, of course. Mm-hmm. But that that Finnegan actually does laugh out loud. Being I mean, it a could be, but when you're wizard, yeah. But like when you're exploring new magics, it's just like I don't know. You throw things together. It's it's, it's art and science. To pull a line from Bards, no, but from Finnegan, but from forget yeah. from Finnegan's perspective, magic is very mm-hmm. much a science. There are components, there are rules. It's just mm-hmm. like any other science because of how Finnegan experiences magic. Of course, of course. And so there is a significant laugh at that comment. While he's laughing, can I then take the opportunity to just jump in and say, "I'm, I'm sorry. You're talking about like overreaching, underreaching. Mm-hmm. What were you?" Reaching for exactly? Well, Darwin, if you would like to assist us, I could just show you all. 
No, just tell me, please. <laughs> does he want to tell you, though? I mean, yes, he does, because it's got a little bit of arrogance in him. And by a little, I mean a lot. He just doesn't want to show all of his arrogance. This is a man who gave himself a general title. There aren't generals in the monastery. Darwin can tell you that. It's a brotherhood, not an army. Um... We are seeking to correct the failings of Malsius and Corum, and we can't do that with them in the way. Wait, can someone ask him what failings? I, I want him to really set the line here, because that could go either way. <laughs> and what failings would those be? Thank you. Pulling back the conscription. It shouldn't have ever been a question of what was right and what was wrong. The simple problem was that people were suffering without end. The conscription was a way to fix that. And even if the withering is behind us, there are still people suffering without end in one form or another. It may not be that the magic to fix them is unknown or that the medicine doesn't exist. It could be that it is too far away. Could be that it is too expensive or too rare or too difficult, or their bodies simply can't take the cure. The true peace and grace of Corum is being denied them. It should be available to all. Sidebar here, real quick. I know it's like 11 o'clock your time, and if we jump into a fight, it will probably last a while um, because of things. So I'm just curious how much more folks are interested in doing before kicking off a fight because that would probably be the end unless we wanted to run long past midnight i, I cannot run long I'm, okay. I'm barely holding it together <laughs> i wanted to put that forward now because this is i mean you've gone from one enemy to two enemies to three enemies and this also has the boss and the big magic thing that they are trying to accomplish right mm -hmm. yeah i'm getting sleepy too so um, i wanted to put that out there there are certainly, like, negotiations you could attempt. There are certainly magical things here to investigate. But if we want to not do any of that, if this is just getting to the point where he either needs to tell you or we need to fight, you can try to get him to tell you more, you know, with some persuasion or intimidation or um, lying. Deception. That's the word. Deception. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, whether you're playing into um, his plan or completely not... The only thing I would like to do and have been doing probably as he's been chatting is trying to understand what I can about the spell he's trying to cast. Like, I want to understand how fundamental the structures of this are. Like, because what I'm thinking of is like, I don't want this thing to go off while we're fighting. So if I can strategically tear down some of these columns, will that slow that down? Is it mm -hmm. as much of like, if we were to destroy the runes, would that cause a problem? Like, I want to know based on my understanding of, because I'm like, I'm not going to be able to cast something right now and I don't want to burn it, but like, I'm a knowledgeable wizard type person. Can I understand how this spell casting is put together? <laughs> it certainly sounds like something that can be investigated during this time with some arcana. Mm -hmm. What about other people? I mean, that can that can happen on the side. We don't even need to get back into character for that. But is there? I mean, because I'd rather I, end on an in character thing. But mm -hmm. yeah, 
I, I only have, I have a couple more questions maybe for him to see if he'll tell me stuff, but that's, that's pretty much it. Okay. See if I can maybe, I don't know, persuade him, lie to him. I don't know. Darvin, what about you? Is there anything that you want to get out only, of this before it gets physical? Only possibly providing Aranis with backup as far as, you know, talking to them goes. Okay. I would say whatever you do for now because we don't know how this thing works, don't stand in the middle. <laughs> mm, smart. Don't stand where the X was on Cabot's note. Yeah, don't stand there. Where that X was. Don't stand there. Whatever you do. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I think all those things are possible. I mean, Darwin, you're, you are part of their goals here, whether that's your flesh or your actual cooperation. You know, either way seems to work for them at this point, as far as you know. But let's start with the out-of-character thing first. Finnegan, mm-hmm. how close are you getting to this thing to inspect it? Oh, I want to, like, kind of do the, like, oh, I'm wandering over here while you're talking. I want to lean on this thing and listen to you. Like, I'm trying to get as close as I can. Are you going to be leaning on those bony finger oh, yeah. arches? 100%, because I feel like oh, if God. I make contact, it can help. Okay. I want to know, like, how sturdy is it? Is it, and you know, are these runes clearly part of, you know, what, whatever you can tell me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll all be based on rolls, of course. Of course. Okay. Yeah, I think physically touching it will help you, but it also does draw some eyes to you, of course. So, while Nils is doing his bad guy monologuing stuff, you're meandering over and taking a look. Curio is definitely keeping their eyes on you. These pale, irisless eyes following you as you move across. Nils is... Your movement has not gone unnoticed by Nils or Marston, but Curio is the one actually paying close attention to what you're doing. But yeah, Arcana, I think, would be the best Mm -hmm. way to get a sense of what this magically would do. I mean, Arcana check then. Remind me... I have an inspiration. I can declare that after I see the roll, but before you tell me what I, you tell me, right? Um, if I'm going to use it. I always forget because we don't use it too often. You guys sit on your inspiration forever. Uh, na, 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 na. I've got it too. He, 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 I think you just have to declare it because it's like having advantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I thought. I'm going to use it because I want to make sure this goes off. Okay. So Finnegan expending his inspiration. I like it. So with my Arcana is a 26. It was a 12 and a 16. So I'm glad I did that. Ooh. Okay. 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 So Finnegan, you can tell a couple different things about this circle. As you're looking, sensing about, first thing that you notice is that this is not all of the same age. The circle on the ground, the runes, Even the diamonds are much older than the fingers. Those are actually all part of an old teleportation circle. Probably not in use anymore, but just a quick check of it. Like, oh, yeah, I can see how this would have ideally worked. Leaning up against the bone arch, it feels very sturdy. The bones themselves, they're made of stone. They're not made of bone. But the finger, the bones themselves aren't all that magical, but embedded into each 
segment of those fingers is a grim pendant. So there's probably 30 of them right here around this teleportation circle. Wow. Okay. And they are and they aren't necessary in the fact that they help to focus whatever magic Nils is trying to perform here. More of them means better chance at success. Fewer of them means lower chance of success. So if you were able to remove all six of these fingers and disperse these pendants, it would certainly make his work harder. Got it. Destroying the teleportation circle itself would also have an effect, but it wouldn't be like, ah, we scratched out a few runes, done. It's broken now. Because I mean, obviously teleportation circles, when they, when and if they were ever in regular use, you know, needed to be able to take some wear and tear. There's a lot of redundancies in the magic. You know, so if a few of them get broken, you know, if some of them get burned or whatever, you know, it doesn't totally break it. Obviously people would come in and fix them back up and replace the redundancies, but there are redundancies nonetheless. Mm-hmm. The double diamond figure is almost more cosmetic than anything. It seems to be maybe specific to this particular monastery. Like, ah, yes, this is our design. We like to use this. It's not tied to the way of obligate mortality. Otherwise, Malsius wouldn't have been wearing gloves with them on there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, old teleportation circle, lots of extra magic bits on the fingers in the way of grim pendants, focusing magic for something. Teleportation, probably. One last question. What material is this roof made out of? Big stone building. That's all I needed to know. Marble or granite, probably. Uh, it's, out, it's exterior, so probably granite. There's probably more marble inside, but good, tough but you stone. You could say it's a solid, earthy material. It's not wood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see where I'm going with that? I, yeah, yeah. No, not a lot of roofs on giant monasteries made out of wood. You get that in smaller towns. Mm-hmm. Libera, for all of its isolation, is slash was a big city. It's probably the only reason why it is still around. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all I need. Curio narrows their eyes at you as you're inspecting this. They know better than to trust you, but you haven't done anything particular yet. You can see their tendrils kind of quiver. In anticipation, like, oh, do I have to get ready to do something? Is there about to be a fight? Am I going to have to lash out? But they're holding for now because, because as you're doing this, Nils is monologuing. He's doing his big bad thing. Waiting for the cue from Nils, basically. All right. Arnus and Darwin. Nils has said what he intends to say. Now, without further provocation slash persuasion or intimidation or deception. Um, He's got big plans to make up for the wrongs of Malsius and Corum, and Darwin and his flesh may be the key to it. If only Darwin would play along. Okay, I... So... He, like, sort of mentioned his goal, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He didn't say, I'm going to do X and then have Y follow. But he also mentioned getting Malsius and Corum out of the way, right? He said that? Yeah. Because they aren't doing what they should. Things that they have failed. Right. 
So, so having let him go go on a bit about what what exactly the plan was, I'm gonna loop back to that question. Okay, so how does getting Malcius and Corum out of the way accomplish your goal? Is that what, that's not what I want to ask. No, that's not what I want to ask. Okay. okay. What do you mean by you're going to get Malcius and Corum out of the way? Are you trying to persuade, intimidate? What do we got here? I think it's got to be persuasion. I'm not saying anything that's particularly intimidating, nor am I lying to him. So, And if you're not calling upon any divine magic to put the fear of God into him. Um, okay. Nah, not really. I'm try- I don't, I want to know what he's going to do to a God before I out myself as one. <laughs> I mean, I'm an idiot, but I'm not that big of an idiot. <laughs> I, I mean, the question is, does he not know who you are? I don't know. He hasn't said my that, name. That, he said true. Finn's yeah. name. Finnegan's name and Darwin's name. He hasn't said mine. Well, maybe you're just not important enough. In this case, I'm actually kind of okay with that. <laughs> okay. Darvin, Darvin, is there anything you would like to say or do to encourage Nils to answer here? Mm. I don't I don't think so. I think I got nothing. Okay. Right. Sorry, Arnis, what was the question again? What do you intend? Uh, no, what uh, do you mean by get them out of the way? Uh, go ahead and roll persuasion. Oh, Jesus. That's a cruddy roll. I mean, it still comes to an 18, but it's... Ugh. <laughs> well, get them out of the way. I mean, that they are in their own way. Corum and Malcius are both interfering with the true intent behind Corum's rule. Both too cowardly or too weak to do what needs to be done. But I can assure you that I am not afraid. And with Darwin's assistance, willingly or not, I will be more than capable of doing what needs to be done. And Darwin, anything you would like to do? No, I just want to call him a blasphemer. Who do it. Yeah, just... You blasphemer... Darvin, coming from you, that is rich. You are more connected to Corum than anyone, anyone. With the gifts that he has given you, you could be doing so much in the world. Yes, you're talented on your own, but Corum's touch, his energy flowing through you, and you waste it. You let it out in dribs and drabs. Me, a blasphemer, I have not turned down any of my gifts. I have used them to their fullest, even when they haven't been enough. But you squander it. We had hopes that you would be on our side. We thought that you would see what we were able to do with just these little pendants and be inspired. We thought you would see our way is the only way forward. Serve Coram's will. 
And I would give you a chance still to join us. Simply step forward. Do what it is that you were meant to do. But if you refuse, if your allies will stand in the way of what is good for the world, then we will bring that good by force if necessary. I don't get it, man. You're like a walking contradiction. Do you follow Corum or do you want to sideline him? Because you're talking out both sides of your mouth, dude. You like want to go around Corum because he's not doing enough and he's cowardly and he's weak. But then you're talking about all your like gifts from Corum and how Darwin should be doing more to like follow Corum or something. And I don't get it, man. Which is it? He's not talking about following Corum. He's talking about abusing the gifts. I say that out loud. <laughs> I figured as much. And still, you push back against what is good for this world. He takes a couple steps forward. You can see him moving his arm underneath this poncho-like cloak. Is there a different word for poncho that I just don't know? You know, big fabric thing that hangs over in front of you. Just feels so... I mean, like a cloak? It's not really a cloak, though. You're not talking about something that is, like, open in the front that fastens, right? You're talking about something that, like, has a head hole, right? <laughs> that then, like, drapes over, right? Well, yeah, like, it is, it is wrapped completely in front of him. Like, in order to expose his arms, he'll have to, like, throw it over one of his shoulders, like, up and over, kind of like Marty McFly and Back to the Future 3. Right, that's a poncho. A, okay. I, there's not another word for it. I mean... I think, uh, yeah, there's not another word for it. I just feel almost a little silly saying the word because it's not, it's not that, it's not, it, I, it doesn't evoke a cowboy image in my head or a reindeer I mean, image in my head. You could like thesaurus it. Poncho. You could thesaurus it. Like another word thesaurus. for poncho. I'm going to go to thesaurus. Ha 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 ha. I know. Uh, let's see, mantle, a sleeveless cloak or cape. It's something like a cross between a wrap and a poncho. Maybe it starts at the left shoulder, wraps all the way around his body, pins to the right. You know, it's enough to fully cover him. All right. It's a nice heavy material, too. Good for wearing out in the cold. Oh, but I digress. You can see Nils moving his arm underneath his poncho. And he makes the distinct motion of unsheathing a weapon from his hip. And you see a blade come out from underneath. You see a blade made from the bones of Darwin's leg. Oh. Tipped in metal. Gross. And like audibly, Arna says, gross. (laughs) Sorry, continue. I'm sorry to interrupt your description. The bones are clean. Come on. No, just the act of it is disgusting. Gross. You actually can't harden bone to be as good of a weapon as metal, so it definitely has to be magical. Oh, absolutely. And the fact that it's from Darwin's leg. Compounds it. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not inscribed like property of Darwin, but. Come on. Hmm. And it's not like the bones were taken apart, put back together. Oh, yeah. Please use that magical weapon made out of bone right now. Please do that. Oh, he 100% is. Okay. The 
the tibia and the fibula have not been rearranged. It's just tipped with metal and there's wire wrapped around it in a crisscross fashion and holding it and reinforcing it. And he's holding on to the handle of it and makeshift hilt attached to it. Darwin, you can practically sense it when he pulls it out like this. Know this. When I tell you that Malsius and Corm have not done enough, I do not mean to inspire them to act. Their time is past. They just don't know it yet. And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close. But the story will always continue. Thanks again to all of our Patreon patrons for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash skyrenpodcast and pick out a level that's right for you. Before we go, I'd like to give special thanks to everyone at the $5 and up tiers. At the $5 city council level, thank you, Shannon DeMello. At the $10 mayor level, thank you, Christopher DeMello. At the $15 governor level, thank you, Phoenix Bryan and Sierra Jones. Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrend Podcast. You can join our Discord server, or you can email us at skyrendpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrendpodcast.com. As always, thanks to Daryl Barnes for creating our theme music. You can find them on Twitter at Daryl Barnes underscore. We also want to thank the talented at Gabby underscore Desu on Twitter for our fantastic podcast art. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Seasons of Skyrend.